and welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. My name is Violet Luca, and I'm the magazine's digital editor. The New York Film Festival wrapped last month, but not before Film Comment presented a unique live talk featuring three major directors with movies in the festival. The filmmakers spoke with remarkable candidness and detail about their relationship to cinema, how they put together their latest movies, and what keeps them coming back to the camera. Speaking on stage were Olivier Assayas, who directed Personal Shopper, Alison McLean, who returns to feature filmmaking after several years with The Rehearsal, and Kleber Mendoza Filio, whose acclaimed new film Aquarius is making its way through theaters now. The editor of Film Comment, Nicholas Rapold, moderated the discussion. I feel like this is some sort of diorama where you know, the films have come alive in front of us or something. Um, the cover of our new issue says Living Cinema, so maybe I'm taking it a bit literally. But um, obviously you've made three very different films uh, that are all featured in the festival. I, I got to thinking a bit about the idea of just your, how you, what you feel your identity as a filmmaker is, and that kind of led me a bit to the idea of a national cinema and, and, and those sort of origins, and, and how each of you identify or don't about the, the country you call home or the, or the cinema you call home. Obviously, this is a, may or be more or less fraught <laughs> for some of you at, at, at the moment, but I thought it might be a productive way of kind of diving into things. And this can even just go back to how you got into uh, you know, filmmaking and, and your origins in that. But maybe, Olivier, we can start with you on the end. I think I identify with some kind of um, cross-national, transnational way of uh, approaching cinema. I think that's one of the exciting things about modern cinema is the way we travel, films travel, characters travel, and there is this uh, exciting new space there that I've been trying to explore in my films. So, uh, I, I, you know, at, at, at some point I felt uh, weird when I was making a film where I was using the English language and it was often uh, characters who were using um, English as a second language, you know, and uh, because I had, a, and, and, and I felt there was a difference between the movies I shot in France with French actors as opposed to the movies I was uh, making uh, on a m more international framework. Now uh, I think the line has blurred. I'm, 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 I don't have uh, <laughs> clear-cut ideas about it. I think I, uh, I, I think I'm happy to be benefiting with the fact that you know movies travel. I can travel and I can tell stories about people who travel and who uh, uh, and uh, and uh, so I think I s moved from France like step by step and now I'm in a space where I'm wh which, which is exciting because I think there's a specific story stories to be told within, within, within that that space and it's it's an inspiration maybe tomorrow it will, my, my inspiration will be about coming home right. yeah. And, and yeah I mean I've I started off in New Zealand and I made him you know several shorts there my first feature there and then I came here made an American film I feel and then I just this last year, I went back to New Zealand um, to make a film there, but I don't, you know, I don't think of myself as a New Zealand filmmaker or an American film filmmaker. I think I've always, because of the circumstances of my life, living in Canada and then New Zealand, then here, and also Australia, um, I think I've always kind of seen things a little bit, partly from the inside, partly from the outside. So that's just a continuing thing, and I, I think it's partly a matter of where the stories I'm drawn to, but also where it's possible to make a film. Like it just, it's been a long time since my last feature and it was actually a way for me to make a film, to go back to New Zealand. So that's partly the 
circumstances of financing for me too. Uh, well, I, I, I come from uh, Recife in the northeast of Brazil and it's, it's kind of far away from the production centers in Brazil, which is Sao Paulo and Rio. And when I graduated uh, from university in 1992, everybody told me that if I wanted to make films, I would have to go either to Sao Paulo or Rio or maybe leave Brazil. Um, and things have changed substantially because um, right now Recife has a very strong film scene and happened, you know, with the whole thing with technology and, and uh, public support for making films. And um, I'm, I was always interested in this idea that you could make films anywhere and um, I remember, of course, American films are very strong in Brazil and they're part of Brazilian culture. And uh, there was this idea that you would make films, you would have to maybe go to Hollywood to make films, but I was so much into the idea of, you know, looking at the films of Ken Loach, or the French films, of course, of uh, Truffaut, and in the late 80s, uh, Almodovar began to make his films, and, and they were made in Madrid, and uh, I was really into the idea of making films where I come from, and. Uh, and, and these days, some of the films that come out of Recife, they have put, you know, the city in the map, you know, culturally speaking. And, uh, and I find it fascinating that it's the, the mythical power of cinema, you know. Today, uh, actually, there is an interesting phenomenon with the building that was used in Aquarius. Uh, every day, there are, you know, people taking selfies in front of the building and... Uh, People who come from outside uh, to visit the city, they s actually stop the car to take pictures with the building, and I find that fascinating. But I, of course, I see myself as a Brazilian filmmaker, and, um, and I'm just happy that my films travel. Uh, very happy being here in the New York Film Festival. And you mentioned Ken Loach. I wonder if each of you might talk a bit about your cinematic avatars or idols or influences that inspired you at different phases of your career. Maybe not just at the outset, but maybe more recently in, say, in the ten, past 10 or 15 years, someone uh, who helped point you in a new direction. I, I, when I was a teenager, uh, and uh, my family lived in England for some time, I saw Kaz, and it was something very, very special for me. But I just happened to name uh, Ken Loach, just to make my point. Uh, um, we won't hold you to it. No. <laughs> but um, yeah, when I was uh, in my early teens, I discovered uh, John Carpenter, uh, American filmmaker, which always seems to get a chuckle here in the US. Uh, we seem to respect, and the French, of course, seem to respect John Carpenter a lot more. I, I think he's a pretty healthy fan base. He's a fantastic uh, filmmaker. and. Um, he actually, when I saw his films, um, because for example in 1981 I went to see Raiders of the Lost Ark, which was a fantastic movie going experience, but it never really made me, it never put me in the mood of I want to do something like this because it was so spectacular and uh, so far away from my own reality even as a young teenager. But when I saw the, John, the films of John Carpenter I thought that's really kind of small and it looks so cool and maybe I can do something like this. 
It's, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's really interesting you would say that because I, I had exactly the same experience. I saw, I saw Assault on Pressing 13 when it was released in England. It, wasn't, it hadn't opened yet in, 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 in France. And I saw the film and I, and I exactly felt it. it was not intimidating. It's a movie, you could make movies like that. And, and, uh, and I w I've, I've been a huge, I think he's a great film, filmmaker, but he was extremely important for me as, as a teenager, as a very young, very, very, very young man wanting to make films. I felt somehow, uh, other movies intimidated me. They, they, you know, they were just big and uh, they, they give you powerful film experience. Here, you had something that was beautiful graphically, that has such a such a perfect eye for filmmaking, and it was and it also d d connected with the the most um, the main uh, not the mainstream but the popular side of cinema. Yes. So you, you could so it, it just gave a notion that you for for little money with unknown actors you could make movies that were artistically ambitious and that could connect with the, with the, with a wide audience so it, it, it kind of opened the, the it's, it's he, I, I, I still I, I mean it's really interesting because I, I still uh, I'm emotional about my first uh, vision of, uh, of uh, assault That's great. yeah I mean I, I think my the films that inspire me you know, they just it just changes so much from year to year when I first started I think it was I love Bunuel I mean he's someone that I watch a lot. You know, I just feel that every year it's 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 somebody different. Um, you know, there's been people like Claire Denis. You know, she was, she's been inspiring to me. Jane Campion at different times has been inspiring. You know, I mean Hitchcock. I mean, it it just it just sort of depends what I'm working on, and but probably not John Carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> not even the soundtracks. No. <laughs> I mean, uh, not that it has to be a filmmaker. It could also be, you know novelists or you know or and, and other media that might or actual things in life <laughs> that actually drive you toward, towards different things I, I also wanted to just ask about i mean you know when it comes to the filmmaking when it comes to mobilizing resources to actually make films um, I, i'm very interested in what kind of relationships that uh, are developed um, with particular you know cinematographers or, or editors uh, that are important to you just to kind of get to the concrete specifics of filmmaking right away I wonder if each of you could talk about a particular cinematographer or editor that you've worked with that has been really important, you know, uh, either for a particular phase of your career or just, or just generally, or people you return to a lot. I've made most of my film with the same crew. I mean, I, I, I use the same, uh, I've used the, the, same, uh, uh, the same DP for all my early films. And uh, I mean, I, in the end, I, I made a few, uh, quite a few, I made a few films. I mean, I, uh, I, I only work with three cameramen, and uh, each of them uh, had known for ages. I mean, it's it's a very intimate process. But same with the editor. I mean, you know, the same guy uh, I started with, uh, do editing, who edited my shorts, <laughs> edited my film until his until well, he passed away. So I don't work with him anymore. But I'm, he was, and but but the, it it brought me something extremely important because. Um, working with this, I mean, I started with um, technicians who were my generation, who were my age. Instead of going to, you know, some famous cinematographers, some fa some some famous set designer, whatever, I used guys who were really starting, who were my generation, who who had been making short films, and and we learned together. And and because technicians make more movies than filmmakers, filmmakers only make mo one, one movie once a while. They they work constantly, and so they were learning, and whatever they were learning somehow benefited my films. You know, I, I mean, you know. 
know, they, they, they told, oh, you know, on this, uh, this movie we did this, we did that, and, and I could, you know, somehow uh, uh, absorb it into my, uh, my own experience of filmmaking. So it's, it's uh, uh, I think filmmaking is a collective art. So, so uh, every single um, technician on my film is, uh, uh, is, is, is an ins essential influence on me. In the, in the in the process of, of, of filmmaking, and 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 I think that I ended up developing a style that has been defined by this collaboration. What, whatever whatever uh, whatever style my films have is something that has evolved uh, through the dialogue with uh, with, with, with with editor, uh, uh, set designer, uh, sound man. You know, it's it's. Essential. I mean, one definitely feels that with this kind of fluidity of camera work that's yeah. started. Yeah. It's it's you know I I, I mean in, in my later f my my most recent film I'm not rehearsing at all you know not not absolutely you know I'm, I I just start and and we film fairly complex shots I don't say but I absolutely never rehearse them so you 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 need to have technicians who are used at that technique who are not afraid of it who are not scared that it will be you know out of focus or or, or, or well you know I'd say we, we we so it's it's uh, again it's it's something that works only if you're extremely familiar and you and you have a group that's extremely cohesive I mean that I, I agree it's such a collective process and that sounds wonderful and inspiring and it's not really been my experience exactly in the sense that I mean I've made I've just finished my third feature and each one has been a very different situation in a different place but it hasn't I haven't found a team you know I haven't found a team that I've taken from film to film and even though I would have liked that it's just kind of circumstances. It hasn't kind of worked, it worked out that way. And I have felt in the past, like I felt with my first feature in New Zealand, that, um, that there were a number of people in the crew that were kind of doing it as a job, actually. And that was one of the a really hard part about making my first feature, where it didn't feel like a team. And it felt, yeah, it, it didn't, it felt like you're kind of having to kind of push it along, but you know, you weren't kind of, being carried by a group of people that were sort of had a, uh, you know, a vision, to, a shared vision together or a sense of what everyone was making. Um, so even though I've wanted that, that hasn't exactly happened. And when I went back to New Zealand for this film, it was unusual because I hadn't, you know, I hadn't lived there since 1989. So I had to start again and just find all new people. And this time I sort of was determined, um, we were determined to kind of really handpick people and just really take time and and choose every person so carefully, and that really made a huge difference. And, I'm, and I had the best experience that I've ever had. And um, I will bring him up because he's actually in the audience. <laughs> um, my DP, Andy Comis, I had a fantastic experience with him. He's here. And, um, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, we met on, over Skype, and, you know, I, it just was kind of a wonderful collaboration of just like very, deep, you know, conversation and um, finding, you know, the vocabulary of the film together. And I think that he had a huge influence on what the film looks like. And um, yeah, it was, it was wonderful. Yeah, I actually, I wonder if I could just ask a quick follow-up on, I mean, speaking of how, you know, you develop a style and, and different things influence you uh, in stylistic tendencies. Uh, you've worked in both television and, and film. I'm curious how working television has affected your style of filmmaker approach to it? 
Yeah, I mean, television is good experience in the sense that you have to work so fast and you have to get better at blocking and working very quickly. But it's, you know, depending on the show, um, there are times when it's, it feels very compromised, you know, because you're just rushing on to the next thing and you might have to do eight pages in a day or something. So um, I, I find it, you know, depending, you know, some shows obviously just have more time and it's kind of, if you do it all the time, I think it can get very elevated and closer to a film experience. But yeah, it, it was just, it's obviously it's just completely different because you come in as a director in television, you're the kind of the outsider, you're the stranger and everybody is like this well-oiled machine that you enter into. And it's, it can be quite intimidating. And I mean, the nice thing about a feature like this experience I just had is that you're, you know, you're choosing those people and you're guiding it more. Um, I, I've made two feature films, uh, Neighboring Sounds and Aquarius. And, and uh, the, the, when I finished uh, each film, I really felt like I should rush and make another film so that I wouldn't lose everybody who who worked with me. You know, they're, they're really like a very close community of friends and the collaborators in, in those two films. Um, in a way, these are home movies, uh, except made with money and equipment. And uh, um, and uh, uh, we finished Aquarius uh, last uh, September last year, and, and I had this terrible feeling that I, I, everybody would just go back home and we should just keep you know, making another film immediately, even if we were very tired. And It's just a great feeling that um, you work with a group of people who kind of, they, they know exactly what the film is about and uh, it was a very spe special uh, moment and I, 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 I imagine that sometime I will make a film uh, where I will not probably be able to choose each and every member the way I have been doing. Uh, I actually had a, a, a different experience because um, uh, Sonia Braga is over there. Uh, and uh, and, and this was something new to me because of course Sonia was part of my life because she's part of culture, uh, especially for me as a Brazilian, but I did not know her personally, but I wanted to make the film with her. So, you know, we did the usual things. We Skyped and then I, we Skyped and we Skyped again. And, <laughs> and, and then I came to New York City to meet her. And, uh, and today she's a friend. And uh, so that was something new because I did not know her before. Uh, usually I pick people because I know them and I know them as artists and technicians and as people. But it turned out all right, and uh, maybe, maybe that's uh, a sign for something to change in, in the next couple of films. I mean, and that, that kind of brings me to, to another question that kind of you, Olivier, share, having written a lot of criticism. Um, so it's, it's, I've always been curious what it's like to be able to kind of actualize some of your opinions about filmmaking and then also even work with people that doubtlessly you've been studying from afar or, or you know, observing from afar. Uh, so obviously, in this case, you're very familiar with Sonia Braga, through, but through the films. Yeah, that's always a tough question to answer because um, uh, I think when we work with cinema, it, it really, cinema functions in many different layers and many different aspects of, of, of what cinema is. And uh, when I was a film critic, uh, 
I, I would watch films and try to write about them and do my best. And uh, it was a very kind of complex um, use of energy all the time, you know, because you invest a lot of time watching films and then you have to write. And, uh, but of course, um, you find and you, disco you discover films uh, that you come to appreciate and then you discover other films that you do not appreciate. And then you set out to make your own film and, and usually it's interesting because I, I, I don't remember actually going back to recent films, I usually went back to older films, you know, when I, when I was thinking about making my own films. Uh, I don't know how to answer that question. No, it's <laughs> yeah, for, for, no, for, for, for me, it's, it's, uh, it's I, I never really felt like a film critic. I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, I've always wanted to make films, and uh, it, I, I, I wrote about movies for five years, uh, between 90 and 1985, which is like a, quite a while ago. Uh, uh, it's, 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 it's really a, another lifetime. But it's, I, was a, I, I was a very young man. I wanted to make movies, but I had mostly been painting, drawing, and I, have a ver I had a very anarchic, confused relationship to the medium. I was not sure what kind of movies I wanted to make. I, w I was not sure how. I, I, you know, I, I, I really needed to structure myself and basically understand, learn about cinema, learn about the history of cinema. So um, writing for Cahiers du Cinéma in, 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 in Paris was more like a film school to me. And I thought it was a great film school because I was, uh, uh, the, the, you know, the, m my elders in the magazine, they were great writers, you know, like Serge Danet, Serge Tubiana, Pascal Bonizet, whatever, you know. So it, it, was, it, was, it, it was great because like a, it was like a crash course in filmmaking. Uh, and, I c and, and I could meet, uh, you know, filmmakers I admired, listen to, you know, and ask them the questions I had myself about uh, my own approach to 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 cinema and um, uh, but uh, but also you know it's 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 uh, I've always been uh, fascinated by the relationship between theory and practice I think uh, you know theory has a bad name today in terms of cinema it's it's which 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 is a pity because I think it's extremely important to basically understand what you're doing and what you're doing it and what's the situation of uh, the history in terms of history I mean in, the, in terms of the you you need to have a perspective on your medium from from some kind of broader point of view, and, and that's what theory brings you. Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's uh, I think that uh, what I learned, I mean, I learned a lot. I learned filmmaking through writing, through writing about, about uh, mov the movies of, of great filmmakers and sometimes not so great filmmakers, but it's, uh, um, uh, but also I learned that it's important to think about what you are doing and, uh, and, and not be content with uh, your just gut feeling about things because that's never enough in, 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 any, any, in any form of art. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna attempt to use this as a segue to talking about the films that are currently in the, in the festival. Uh, because talking about, uh, you know, I think all, all of your films have in common uh, that their film is deeply about drama and relationships, but there are also ideas in them. Um, and the rehearsal, for example, is, is, is a movie that uh, is actually kind of working out some ideas about performance and, and, and your persona in a way. So I, I wonder if you could talk a bit about, about that, whether the film was a chance to kind of work out some ideas about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it sort of follows on on some ideas that I've been thinking about over the last 
few years. Um, a few years ago, I made a short film. Um, I was sort of inspired by, I don't know if any of you have seen this film, by Mahmoud Bhaf, an Iranian film called Salam Cinema. Where, have you guys seen that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, where um, he is obviously this revered Iranian director, and he had this open call of auditions open to anybody, actors, non-actors, um, for his new film. And he had, you know, like 300 people or something turned up and there was almost like a sort of stampede and they came into audition and sometimes they came singly or in pairs or in groups and he was behind a table and, you know, you realize during the course of the auditions that the auditions are going to be the film and I was really sort of fascinated by that and also he's working out a kind of, you know, power dynamic, you know, he's playing almost a kind of character a version of himself that may not be who he is exactly. Um, so I was inspired by that and I made a short film called Intolerable about the audition process and shot that over two days and you know 150 actors and it's like actors being, actors acting and um, actors being put on the spot and we just got such amazing material and I just felt that that sort of opened a door for me. So then um, I came upon this book, The Rehearsal, which Part of it takes place in a drama school, and it just seemed like a way of continuing to explore some of those ideas about, you know, acting in life, and um, and also just like trying out possible versions of yourself, you know, possible selves. That's that sort of idea. So, yeah, I just went went further with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because the scenes in the rehearsal, it's like each of them is interrogating themselves while while they're trying to rehearse. So that there's a many layers of drama going on there, um, which I suppose, I mean, Olivia, we could connect this maybe to Clouds of Sils Maria a little bit. Um, I mean, I don't know if in uh, your previous film, in working on that, uh, that was a way of, uh, you know, exploring some ideas. You even had something to say about blockbuster cinema <laughs> through that film as well. I, I don't know. I, I think that superficially, uh, Clouds of Sils Maria is a movie that about theater and about an aging actress. But think, uh, ultimately, I think it's really about the process of uh, time. Uh, it's 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 uh, uh, you know it's 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 it, it, in the sense that when you're an actor or an actress you have a stronger sense of time passing and yourself changing because you're, because your face is up there on the screen. I mean, uh, it's uh, uh, so it's it it gives some kind ex of some exaggerated sense of the time passing and uh, uh, so so I I think that I made I, I made a film about time. <laughs> Using actors because they were they, they kind of uh, made it more literal. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think I make movies about um, ideas. I I I I, I, I think uh, I, I make movies about questions. Uh, I, I think that I I think I think I think I make movies about that are basically about exploring things I don't fully understand, and uh, and 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 I, I I left a lot of things hanging because I actually do not have the answers. <laughs> uh, uh, it's uh, but but you know it's it's but 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 I think that's the way life is. I mean you know, you 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 can't really come. I mean in any form of of art you can't really come with an idea and think uh, this is what I'm going to express. No, you, you, can, you, you can come to filmmaking through interrogations with, 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 with your doubts, without your, with your own limits uh, and hope to make some, some road with uh, and end up a little further from, from that where you started, but you, you, you never come up with the answers. Well, what was the question for Personal Shopper? The question for personal shopper, I don't want to be too abstract, but the question was uh, was in t uh, was uh, perception. I, th I think that cinema is about perception. 
You know, it's uh, the, the the beauty of cinema is that it's it's it connects with the complexity of what our perception of the, of of the, of, the, of the outside world is, and uh, I think that person the personal shopper was trying to blur the line between what's visible and what's not visible, what's tangible and what's not tangible, how uh, how our own emotions, our own feel, our own feelings can be externalized and. Uh, how um, how some a lot of what we see outside us actually belongs inside us, uh, and uh, so I you know I, I again it's a question it's not a statement, <laughs> and I mean just tying films together here, uh, Claver and, and Olivia, your your films are very much centered or have at their center a very strong performance by, by a single uh, actress. I wonder if you could talk a bit about how that how that affects how you approach a film. You know, go, going into it. My my previous film was was it had many different characters, uh, many different things happening, uh, mostly at the same time. This film is uh, one central character. It's interesting because I I I, I still think uh, the same approach I used in the first film is is used in 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 Aquarius, which is one central character. She would always be a woman uh, right from the beginning in, in the script. I never thought this would be a male character. It's, it's really a question of, I think, if you look at the film, it's a question of using uh, point of view shots. Uh, that's, I think, how the film works, because everything uh, she looks at, not every moment in the film, but usually uh, uh, every time she reacts, we, I cut to a point of view shot and everything is very firmly stuck to her point of view and this is something that I that I actually enjoy uh, doing it's very old school it's it's very kind of um, old fashioned but i think it explains why some people have reacted so strongly to this particular character sticking to her and uh, showing what she sees right okay yeah i guess we can take some uh, questions at this point uh, uh, good evening. I want to congratulate both of you. I haven't seen any of your movies yet, sorry, but I loved both of your movies. I love all of your movies. There is one element that I find like similar in both of your recent works, the, the latest one, the Personal Shopper and Aquarius. The use of technology somehow. In, in your film it appears to be sort of a, it becomes a character, a villain. Uh, all those threatens through text messages. And you also use visual effects for the first time in your film, which really surprised me. Uh, I'd like you to please tell me a little bit of this exploration of yours. And in your case, uh, Sonia Braga's character, she, uh, she, she loves vintage. She doesn't use new, new technology. And she's still very uh, intellectual, very modern without using any of the technology. And also, I'd like you to tell me a little bit of the explicit sex scenes. How did you Are there any manage sections? those? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, uh, um, <laughs> obviously, you're very interested in the craft of filmmaking. Yeah. <laughs> 
the technology, I mean, uh, to me at this point, it's not so much about technology. It's about how uh, we have this thing that's an extension of our memory that's like hi hardwired in our brains. It's, uh, it's. Uh, I think, I think, you know, th that the the relationship we have with the with the me means of communication, with our smartphone in terms, you know, it's something that's just part of our lives, and it's and it, it it's it's disturbing. It's eventually scary, but it's. Uh, um, it's it's it, to, to today. It's difficult to describe a contemporary character involved in everyday life who is not, in a way or, a, or, or another, using that kind of tool. And it's uh, uh, it's it's uh, um, so uh, I, I observe it as I observe it. You know, like a hand or a foot, or a <laughs> it's become part of human reality. So it's so I, I think when when I, when I'm representing a character, I think I'm also representing the way he uses the methods of the modern methods of communication. Which have uh, transformed our world and our our, our own perception, our perception of of, of the world. Um, the use of special effects. It's uh, you know. It's. Uh, um, I think that at some point it's it bec because it's a movie that deals with reality and our imaginations. Uh, of course, I had to externalize. I mean, I had to 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 show what she's afraid of, and that's essentially happening inside her, right? But it's something that's not part of reality, it's part of her inner reality, Don't, so it's unreal, so it's what we kind of call a ghost, but it's not exactly a ghost, I mean the, the, the word is not completely correct, but it's, it's an expression of a fear that materializes in front of her. So yes, of course, you know, I, I, it's not real, so I have to try to find a way of um, representing it and that uh, that that leads me to use uh, in a very modest way <laughs> special effects. I, I I don't plan to you know to become a specialist. <laughs> <laughs> I think sex is the ultimate movie special effect. Yeah. <laughs> um, every time there is sex in a certain way in a film, it becomes a talking point. I mean, look at what's happening to Trump. Just because. <laughs> Just because he used the word pussy, now he's about to lose the election. <laughs> well, that's sex again. I actually believe that uh, the sex in Aquarius... Well, the sex, uh, the sex in Aquarius... And I, I actually had my, my moment of, uh, uh, as, a, as a true filmmaker because uh, we actually went to the Ministry of uh, Justice in Brazil and we actually proved frame by frame that there is no explicit uh, sex in the film. And they brought down the, the rating from 18, which was completely nonsensical, to 16, which I still think it's a bit too much for that film. But um, uh, when we discuss graphic sex, uh, and, and I'm in the United States, and, and the idea of graphic sex in Brazil, it, it's, it's quite different, because um, in the 70s, with the military dictatorship, the sex was very softcore in Brazilian uh, film, and in films... Uh, in pornography also. Um, it was just not allowed to show any kind of uh, hardcore representation of sex. From 1981, uh, that's when it, um, censorship was somewhat lifted and that's when Brazil began to uh, actually see films with uh, hardcore uh, sex. So, uh, in, in, in my mind, the idea of explicit sex or graphic sex is different from uh, when um, uh, film critics or the idea of uh, Hollywood uses the, the term graphic sex. 
But in Aquarius, it's really a question of uh, blocking and lenses and the way it's shot. Um, it, it, the, I, I, I actually agree that there are strong sex scenes, but I don't think they're explicit in the way that I understand uh, you know, the idea of being explicit. And I think I disagree with you when, um, when you say that uh, she, she's only about being vintage. She actually uses new technology. She has a telephone and there's one scene where she actually plays a track from her iPhone. Uh, she's not against new technology, she just treasures the idea of physicality and the way she enjoys music, which is, you know, vinyls and cassettes and things like that. But um, it's part of the film because it's one of the ideas behind the film. Uh, you know, time, uh, music. Uh, I, I'm 48 now, so uh, I've been listening to the same pieces of music in different formats for. 30, 35 years, and, you know, I might have started off listening to, I don't know, The Smiths in, on cassette tapes, and then I upgraded to CDs, and, and now maybe I, you know, use Spotify or Apple Music, and, and it just, it, it's like music travels through time, and what changes is the different technology that it's presented in. The same thing with films, of course. You know, we, we all used to watch films in 35mm, now it's pretty much gone. It's basically DCP, Netflix, and Blu-rays and DVDs, and, but the films are still the same in a way. And uh, in a way it's a beautiful thing and it's also very sad. This is for Olivier. Um, when, I wa when I saw Personal Shopper, the first film of yours I actually thought of was Summer Hours, uh, because of how it's, Personal Shopper is a movie about grief, in a way, and especially about familial legacy. Um, was this, did you think about Summer Hours when you were shooting Personal Shopper? And um, am I crazy for uh, thinking of this connection? No, no, I, you, no, the, 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 the connection uh, <laughs> makes complete sense. I mean, I mean if, if only in the sense that every time I step on a film set, I mean, on my, on my film set, I feel I'm making the same film over again you know it's <laughs> I think it's like the continuation of the same film uh, like I'm stuck in some kind of Groundhog Day thing you know it's but it's it's uh, <laughs> uh, and also we, we, which, 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 which has to do also with the fact of using all the same technicians you have the same guy who has like this who have the same clothes and the same machine you know it's not, no. but it's no I, I didn't think so much of uh, um, uh, of uh, uh, Summer Hours, because uh, Summer Hours is a movie about grief, uh, about loss, but also uh, somehow uh, is a happier film in many ways, if I'm, if I, you know, in, in the sense that it's set in uh, a landscape, in, 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 in nature, landscape. It's about time passing, but it's also about um, how uh, uh, there is uh, something uh, beautiful about the passage of time, how, how uh, how maybe we should not be that melancholy about it. And also I shot it, you know, in outside Paris in a really nice uh, um, environment. He, he, on our personal shopper, we were shooting in the Czech Republic in the film studio. It was like gloomy and uh, uh, um, it's, it was, it's, it's, it's a winter film in many, you know, we, sh we shot it in winter, which I, th I think that seasons do, do have an influence on, on, on films. It's kind of a darker film. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's also, it's, it's, a, it's about someone 
ends up surviving a crisis and overcoming it. So it's, I, I hope there's something positive, but it's also about her suffering. And uh, um, uh, so it deals with something similar, but from a completely different angle. I mean, that just kind of makes me think of another question, which is that from one field to the next, you sort of consciously try to go in a different direction, or how, how strong is that urge for each of you to do something extremely different from the thing you just did? I feel like I'm going through now like a big reaction to what I've just done and wanting to do something completely different. Like the film that we just made is very verbal, it's quite fragmented. It has many, you know, big casts and ensemble. So now I want to do something that's closer to real time that doesn't have so much cutting, that's not verbal, <laughs> um, that doesn't have much music. You know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, I'm almost having a kind of like swing the opposite way, but I, I guess probably, it's funny how you think that you're doing something different and then you sort of end up doing something that still feels like you, you know, it's strange that way. Yeah, I know. I have the same reaction. But it's it's also because when you make a film, you 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 feel like you you went all the way. You know, you 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 went as far as you could in that direction. So you 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 you're not sure what what should be the next step. So you you take another angle. You you take the complete contradiction of whatever you had been doing and see if there's something for you there. I think I I get quite conscious about the choices of tackling a, a new film. And uh, neighboring sounds and, and Aquarius, and then if you add some of the short films that I made, they're mostly about the same thing. They take place in apartment blocks, and um, and it's become uh, kind of a stylistic thing, which I hope to abandon in my next film. So I'm quite happy that the next film has nothing to do with apartment blocks and and. and and neighborhoods and this urban setting that people have come to expect uh, in in my film. So the next film is very open space in, in the Brazilian outback, and I'm very happy for that. Another question. Hi. Um, I'm wondering if, if any of you had any projects early on in your careers in which you started, maybe started shooting it, um, made some good progress and eventually decided to kill a project if you if the team wasn't working out or if the story wasn't working out whether you have any regrets or if you're happy about <coughs> killing a project um, and why uh, it's a, it's a, you know I have a couple of movie uh, projects that never happened and look, look and looking back on them I think there was a reason I mean, there was a logic for, for, for those films not, not, not to happen. I, I didn't f see it at the time. <laughs> I was convinced uh, uh, I, sh I should make them. But, but no, but I mean, I never killed the project. I mean, it's more like, uh, okay, there's a couple of screenplays I wrote I, that I started, you know, working on, preparing, and then, you know, the financing did not happen. So I kind of pushed them aside thinking, uh, well, okay, I'm going to do something like easier that will be easier to finance or something. I will come back to that other project. And when I came back to the other, pro we, you know, so I made another film, came back to the previous project and realized it was not in sync with me anymore. You know, I had, I, I had somehow, uh, I, I, I had moved on and it made me, it made no sense to me. What's more difficult is when, you know, you, it's not the movies you kill, it's that the movies other people kill. Uh, it's, uh, uh <laughs> Terry, Terry, Terry Gilliam. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, I, I, you know, it's, it's. I, I had a, a most un unfortunate experience, like, a, like a two, two years ago. I mean, the, this, this movie I was, uh, I, 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 I was supposed to shoot in Toronto, like big movie, expensive, and uh, you know, um, uh, which, which, which was uh, 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 shut down uh, 24 hours before shooting. So, so that's, uh, so that's, uh, yeah, that's, so that's not good. Locked <laughs> feature script. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's, no, no. I mean, we uh, shutting down the film 24 hours before b b before filming starts. It means you know you have your built sets. You have your actors who are there that are there. You have the trucks full with the equipment. You have the, the crew that's uh, you know uh, uh, you 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 have a, like a, a printed call sheet. You know, it's uh, it's kind of. It, it should not happen, but it, in this case it did happen. So yeah, no, I didn't like the process. Well, maybe if each of you could just tell us what the next project you are working on. Maybe you sort of went into it a little. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a film called Bakorao, which it's slang for the last bus that goes out at night. If you miss it, well, it, these days you can call Uber, but uh, <laughs> but in the old times you would, you know, as a young person you would basically have to uh, find a way to sleep uh, I don't know on the street or and it takes place a few years from now uh, in the Brazilian outback and I'm I, I really want to go back in November to the script and I plan to shoot it next year early next year Allison, anything yeah um, I'm going back to a script that I was working on before this one came along and sort of Armed with everything that I've just learned, I'm sort of attacking it and you know changing it quite quite radically in certain ways, and mainly actually simplifying it because I think that's my fatal flaw: is that I complicate, have complicated ideas. I'm trying to be more simple, but it's a it's a yeah, it's a New York story, and it's um, it's a kind of a situation with a family and a a babysitter who's an immigrant, and and it's very much about kind of money and love and just the kind of inter interdependence of that situation. And it has another kind of conceit in there, but I'm not, I promise not to talk about it. I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not sure. Right. <laughs> we'll keep the mystery. Um, all right, uh, that, that's, uh, that's the end of the talk. Thank you all of you Thank for you coming. very much. Thank you. Thanks. been listening to the Film Comet Podcast, produced by Violet Luca and Nicholas Rapold, and edited by Michael Oatmark. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Film Comet is a bi-monthly magazine published by the Film Society of Lincoln Center. Since 1962, Film Comet has featured in-depth reviews, critical analysis, and feature coverage of mainstream, art house, and avant-garde filmmaking from around the world. Visit us online at filmcomet.com slash subscribe to purchase a digital or print subscription to the magazine. Film Comment, at the heart of film culture for over 50 years. <laughs> <laughs>